am Citizen 44. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 62. My guest today on the show is Mr. Dan Shaw. Dan is the Vortex Detective. He's appeared on shows like Brad Meltzer's Decoded, The Devil's Triangle Alaska on the History Channel, and on the documentary Ancient Tomorrow. Dan also consults for TV shows, including NBC's The Blacklist. We had a really wonderful conversation that piqued my interest. There's something going on here, and I think Dan will better explain that to you in this conversation that we had. We've got Dan Shaw. He's a very cool guy. I think you'll enjoy the chat. Got some good news in the past couple of days. My daughter, Zoe, has been accepted at Portland State University, which was first on her list of colleges to attend. So that's really fantastic. I want to say congratulations to Zoe. She's wanted this. She worked for it. She got it. That's how things go, man. You want something, you work hard for it, you get it. It's winter here. It's cold. It's not crazy cold yet. We haven't had any snow in town, but I think it's coming. I feel it's coming. It's brisk. It's super brisk out there. All is good here, hanging out with Gary Lundgren at 238 East Main down here, downtown Ashland, Oregon. Dan is my first guest in my new Ashland location. Super excited about that. It's been fun being here in the office with Gary Lundgren while he works on his movie, Phoenix, Oregon, due to come out early part of 2019. It looks like a really fun movie. Hanukkah just ended and it ended with a bang. We had a really good time. You know, now that I'm living with my family, we get to do these things that normally I would not have the opportunity to share with them. So let's get on with this chat with Mr. Dan Shaw. First view with anybody since I moved into this space. It's pretty nice out there, I would say. Glorious downtown Ashland during the day you could see the mountain in the back all full of snow and it's very postcard-esque well my guest tonight is mark Aaronsberg. oh man it's so nice of you to have me <laughs> on the show i'm dan shaw there are places around the earth which are electromagnetic anomalies we can establish this scientifically with electromagnetic instruments there are places around the united states which are electromagnetic anomalies which are open as tourist attractions and when you're at those places one of the phenomenon that you see is that two people standing face to face, a couple feet apart, appear to be a certain height relative to each other. And when they change places, there's an apparent change in height. And this is no kind of ordinary optical illusion that we can debunk. We're not sure if it's a purely visual thing or physical phenomenon we call the shrink and grow. We're familiar with certain kinds of an optical illusion based on some things are closer to the camera, but this is not that. You measure the distance to the camera, you can establish that the camera is equal distance to both subjects. Does not matter what the background is, and then you can measure the shrink and grow phenomena in photographs. But you end up with a conundrum, which is that almost no amount of photographs is sufficient to prove for someone who hasn't actually been there to verify the phenomena themselves. It is seemingly hiding in plain sight right there on Interstate 5 in Gold Hill, Oregon. 
There's this tourist attraction called the Oregon Vortex with a crooked house showing optical illusions and you could drive right by and not be faulted for thinking it's just some cheesy tourist attraction. But when you do stop in, you find out that it is world class and they're not just showing you these optical illusions. And why would they show you these optical illusions? Because doesn't it just denigrate and disqualify the actual phenomena going on there? Why are these things not getting the scientific credibility that they might? I consider part of my job to advance the science of vortexes. I've got a degree in geography, so I can better understand and explain the geophysics and the geology and the geography of vortexes. The electromagnetic field is highly turbulent and it's nowhere uniform. There's kind of a hypothetical uniform average electromagnetic field, but nowhere is there an actual uniform electromagnetic field. Through changes in the geography, when you move from the seashore to the mountaintop, let's say, you're exposing yourself to changes in the electromagnetic field and those may function to activate our psychic abilities and or chakras. It is amazing that there are these things occurring that we're not even looking for source specifically or any kind of energetic focal point. Well, it is amazing how these phenomena are hiding in plain sight because as soon as I was able to experience these things myself and not just the shrink and grow, this visual phenomena or apparently visual phenomena, but uh, many of the visitors to these vortex points and I worked at a spot similar to the Oregon Vortex. I worked at the Montana Vortex for three seasons as a tour guide. Many people coming to these spots are sensitive to the energies and they can feel the energies and sometimes they feel a sense of spinning, sense of motion, dizziness, sometimes nausea. When you go to the seashore, when you go to a mountaintop and you do experience these kind of heightened electromagnetic fields, we do tend to feel kind of ecstatic sense of serenity or whatever it might be. It may be due to the electrical ions in the air around waterfalls, or it may be due to changes in the electrical field due to elevation. There's any number of contributors to the electromagnetic field, and I don't think that the electromagnetism completely explains the phenomenon of paranormal vortex. It's just, to me, kind of the Occam's razor, where I looked first in trying to explain these places that seem to have paranormal associations. When we're in survival mode, it might be hard to see the relevancy and application of these sacred places. I'm fascinated by anything I don't completely understand. We're a culture with amnesia, and there's these advanced ancient civilizations that somehow are just coming into our awareness. There's these massive, unbelievable ancient monuments at geometric points all over the world. And while Ancient Aliens is going into its maybe 11th season with their particular take on this topic, and I think it's also a good example of popularizing these ideas in a way that might lead the inquisitive to scratch deeper. I consider myself to be a scientist on one hand, but also a popularizer. Vortex is a Latin word and the plural would be vortices. I will tend to use the word vortexes because I'm a popularizer. You have a thing. The Golden Vortex device that yeah. I demonstrated on uh, Brad Meltzer's show on the History Channel. Yeah. I've written a book called The Vortex Field Guide. And Nick Nelson, a friend and co-author, and I traveled the country. We flew to the East Coast and we drove back across the country to visit all of these genuine vortexes that are open as tourist attractions. And we wrote a book called The Vortex Field Guide. 
And Nick Nelson, he's been playing with magnets all his life, and he's also invented a device which seems to replicate these vortex effects. And it's just about a pendant size, a little thing you could wear around your neck, and it's got a pattern of magnets built into it. It weighs nothing. It's quite light, and it replicates this shrink and grow vortex effect. This is the thing you use? This, that's the one. This is it? Similar. It's a variation on it, yeah. By the way, this thing's what? Maybe two inches in size of a half dollar. That's what it is. It's super light, yeah. and it's got rounded edges, and it says Golden Vortex on it. Yeah, it's and you can black. see that at uh, my website, vortexmaps.com, and also at goldenvortex.com. And it's designed, it's intended for healing purposes. Oh, I, I'm vibrate. I feel it's an accentuator for me because I do have access, and I can generate it, and I can show you how to do it without anything. Can you describe a technique that you use? Think about your right hand. Mm -hmm. When you feel something in your right hand, raise your left hand. Okay, now think about your left foot. When you feel something in your left foot, raise your right hand. What'd you just do? You did what this does. You were applying energy in a specific place on your body. You thought about it and your energy was there. Just like I hold this and the energy's mm -hmm. here. We are the energy. Mm -hmm. This just is an accentuator if you're aware of what you can do. Totally buy that explanation. So imagine I did that in a middle school with about 30 students. It's mm -hmm. incredible to watch a group of people yes, it is. share this kind of first time experience. By the way, I got this from The Power of Now by uh, Eckhart Tolle. And most people who've read it do not recall this. I can show you that you can do this. And if we could convince children to practice it every day as part of a practice, what could this world look like? Like you said, psychokinetically, we are needing to be rebooted, reset, stimulated differently to have a different awareness. Yeah, this thing's badass. We're being shown magic so we could pay fucking attention. But we're such dumbasses right now, babies with machine guns. We're just not paying attention. We're too busy acting where we are evolutionarily, which is where we are. So be it. This is some huge business, and it has to start someplace, so here you go. Very good. Well, thanks for uh, the review on that. Let me ask you the question now. If we, as humans, I think I heard you say, and I would agree, I think I heard you say that humans ourselves, we're vortexes. We're the energy. Did I hear you right on that? Well, there's nothing separate from anything. We're so emotionally immature and undereducated, we can't see what's right in front of our face, which this is. We really can't see it when it's right in front of our face because we don't have electromagnetic sight. It does seem that humans have receptivity to magnetism, magnetoreception. We have iron in our blood. In every cell of our brain, we have minute amounts of magnetite. And in our sinuses, we have greater amounts of magnetites. So there's a potential mechanism for humans to have a magnetoreception just like birds and bees. I want to underline what I heard you alluding to that, well, first of all, one of my favorite principles, alchemical principles, is that there is no separation whatsoever, only our perception. And what I wanted to underline and what I heard you saying anyway, what I wanted to draw was that there's a very real sense, not just an analogous sense, but a very real sense where we are the vortex iron in our blood it's vortexing through our heart and when we move into an energetic spot a vortex of some kind and we sense that we can also be aware that the relationship is not a reciprocal 
like a handshake relationship at a distance. It's actually a relationship of unity and the vortex, the earth itself, also feels our presence and it shifts with our presence. So especially important to take off your shoes, to walk barefoot, to enter with respect and to connect with that energy in whatever way you do through whatever ceremony, whether it's dancing, drumming, whatever it might be. Well, as soon as we get shocked back into humility, which will happen at some point, we will need to pay attention to these power spots on the planet and come to some whole new understandings about what's going on around here. There's way more going on that meets the eye. Way more going on than meets the eye. And that is essentially what brought me to vortexes. I have a long and circuitous path to vortexes. Every vortex researcher, I think, comes to the topic in different ways. I didn't come to studying vortexes because I had fallen through some kind of time slip or something like that, which is, I believe, entirely possible and likely. And I think I have credible firsthand witness accounts of that. I haven't done that myself, but people have told me, credible in my opinion, people have told me that they've had that experience. I think of vortexes being paranormal places where psychic things are more likely to occur where your psychic abilities are enhanced. There are physiological effects that we can feel, just like you could feel the magnets in the Golden Vortex device. When we go to spots, we can feel those energies. Most listeners, I think, will be familiar with that idea of this energy field around our bodies, the aura. I do like to emphasize that just like a magnet has a field around it, our bodies have a field around it. It's sometimes called the aura but it's not a paranormal or psychic thing. It's just like a magnet. We should be teaching in school that you have that thing and it's your thing and you're responsible for that thing because that thing can hurt other things. We have no responsibility around our things like that. <laughs> Let's slowly back up over the last couple of hundred years where we suddenly realized that we need to wash our hands between medical procedures and we finally discovered chemistry. The science of geophysics, incredibly young science. We got some problems with our priorities, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so if I understood vortexes, then I would move on to the next thing that was mysterious that I didn't fully understand. There does seem to be a very close correlation between psychotropics and sacred places, whether it's petroglyphs in Chaco Canyon or ancient monuments in Europe and UK. Very often there's association with psychedelic plants growing nearby or ceremonies using psychedelics. There is that association. So I was camping out at the Montana Vortex while I was working there and I was having disturbing dreams some nights and getting woken up and I attributed to this turbulence of the electromagnetic energy there at the Vortex. You don't have to go to a tourist attraction. There's vortexes all over the world. Anywhere where there's a variation in the electromagnetic field where you can spend the night, where it feels good to you if you have the intention of tuning into your dreams. And of course, in the Bible, the story of Jacob's ladder and his dream of angels descending to heaven when he put his head on a rock. The Judeo-Christian tradition is not the only one that has tradition of dreaming at these sacred places. My friend Doug told me, about a place where there's a road where you can park and it seems like it's on a hill, but it doesn't roll. It's pretty common 
You'll find spots that are along the side of the road. Sometimes they're acknowledged with a pull-off and a sign, sometimes not. So along the side of the road, it may actually be level and the car may roll or the car may actually roll uphill in neutral. I believe that there are some of these roadside gravity hills, let's say, that are purely optical illusion. I believe that. But I believe that there are some where things do actually roll uphill because gravity is not just up and down. Gravity is measured in all three vectors. And as the moon orbits around the Earth every day, causing the ocean tides and there's crustal tides as well, the center of mass is actually orbiting around inside the Earth throughout the day. So where you are up against the base of large mountains, let's say you've got a bigger Y vector, so to speak, in your gravity. That's another energetic gift that's been given to us that we don't do anything about. Kurt Vonnegut wrote some really great stuff about variable gravity in his book, Slapstick. Did you read that? No. You would be crawling on the ground some days because of the variable density of gravity. I think I have days like that. And other days when it was really light, men would walk around with erections. It's a fantastic <laughs> book. We haven't even leveraged gravity, have we? Over here at Shasta Dam, we're arbitraging the water. We spill it over to generate power when power is most precious, and then at night when power is cheaper, we pump it back up into the other side of the dam so we can generate power on the way back down again. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Here's the thing. How many people are dying of thirst and we're surrounded by oceans of water? How much energy do we need to have with that sun that's been above us since the beginning of time? Hello? Hello? <laughs> We've had everything we could ever want and literally lifetimes of it and we just are not even paying attention to any of it, or very little. It's such a small percentage that people really are giving a shit. There's a lot of noise in the signal right now, but here we are creating some signal through the noise. Where are you from? Well, I've been in the Rogue Valley quite a long time. I was born in San Francisco. I'm right on that same line of latitude that I grew up on. I feel right at home here. Where in San Francisco were you living? I was living in the North Bay. I was living in Novato growing up. And the only reason to mention my childhood home there at the edge of the woods might be to mention that at age 14, a UFO turned on its lights, apparently, for me to see it from below the horizon, practically in my backyard. And that was one of the pivotal moments in my life that led me down this trail of, wait a second, there's more here than meets the eye. Why aren't people talking about this? I knew at the time that if I talked about it, I might be institutionalized and medicated and talk about it for decades. But now I've made the paranormal pledge, which is I talk about my paranormal experiences. And I encourage other people to as well, because once you begin sharing your paranormal experiences with other people, then you discover how many people around you now feel safe to share their experiences mm -hmm. with you. So I encourage everybody to really come forward, share your paranormal experiences. Let's make them more normal. Do you care to share any experiences that you've had? Maybe one that you can associate with a paranormal place? This was extremely unusual, and I had my sensibility around me to get a witness. But I took too long to wake them up to come out and see what I was looking at, but they saw a glimpse of what I was looking and at. And what was that? This was about two months ago. It was almost 4.20 okay. a.m. So I thought, huh, look what time it is. Think I'll go smoke a bowl out on the back patio. So I did, and I'm looking around. Not a lot of light pollution. You know, stars, 
not a lot of activity, but they're out there. And then I turn around and I see one moving. This is an isolated thing that's occurring. And the object itself is identical to other stars in its field, which were making up, I think, the Big Dipper. I'm standing in the backyard at the house and there's this one star that looks like somebody's finger is on it and they're just moving it around at will. Different rates of speed, stopping. There was no rhyme or reason to it. And it was absolutely fantastic. And then I noticed a red dot behind it, which is my perception of behind. I have no idea where in the sphere of relative space that it was. I don't know if that's what was pushing it around. That's one of my many sightings, hearings, things that I've been privileged to be shown. I freely share with my children and try and make them not only be aware, but something happened to my daughter recently, and I wanted her to really hold on to that opportunity and see that that is an extended hand to come into a new relationship. That definitely takes us down an important path. The work that I'm doing with Earth Energies, with vortexes and ley lines, mapping them, identifying where they are, sharing with people, taking people on tours, showing people how to interact with the energy. That work that I'm doing, I call it geomancy, which means earth magic, and I consider it to be a part of alchemy. And that's actually how I came to geomancy. Well, I was studying alchemy more in general. And I mentioned that one of the foundational principles of alchemy is that there is no separation. And for me, alchemy is not just the stereotypical working with metals and furnaces and we're working to transmute elements like lead into gold, etc. That is an allegory. We are the great laboratory. We're working to perfect ourselves, our physiology and our psyche towards a perfection of physical immortality and ascension. So for me, that's what alchemy is about. Now, in order to do that, in order to perfect ourselves, we're working to perfect our physical body, our spiritual body, our mental body, and our emotional body. So for me, it is vitally important to work with these vortex energies, with these energy centers in our body, the chakras. There's certain focuses, vortexes of energy in our bodies. These outer vortexes, when we visit, let's say a waterfall, I love this example because waterfalls are very rich in acoustic frequencies. They contribute a lot of electrical ions to the air, etc. When we go to waterfalls, it's going to be generating almost a white noise, a very rich array of sounds. There's going to be essentially a dominant frequency, and that's going to vibrate a certain place in our body, a certain chakra. So we could effectively visit a number of different earth chakras, to create a kind of an initiatory process for our body chakras, or you call them our body vortexes, so it could flip them. I was told when I moved here that Mount Shasta is one of the strongest chakra points on the planet and that Ashland sits on this perimeter, which is a milder version of it. And this is part of why this town is exceptional. There's something exceptional about Ashland. And I think of the pass and the Rogue Valley as being kind of a throat chakra and very conducive to podcasting for example writers and authors tend to congregate here in ashland on this map here that i published the earth star north america map you're looking at the west coast of the united states the center of the map is the grand tetons and then you see that there's a circle 
drawn around Western North America. It's a nearly perfect circle of 19 points, and every one of those points is either the largest mountain or body of water in its region. So if you look at the west coast there, you'll see there's Mount Shasta in this certain relationship to the Grand Tetons. And you go around the circle and you see Sisters, Rainier, you see Whitney, you see Tahoe, you see Sedona, you see Banff and Lake Louise. So you get this exquisite circle of 19 sacred places, a nearly perfect circle around the Grand Tetons. And knowing Shasta or any of those other points on the circumference of the circle, you can map yourself and you can plot these 19 points. So Shasta is part of a larger geometric pattern of sacred places around North America. Is there any significance to the number? 19 is a magical number for certain. A circle broken up into 19 segments, each of those segments is very nearly 19 degrees. 19 squared is 361. The square root of 361 would be 19. The Baha'i calendar is 19 days of 19 months. Throughout the Quran, there's so many numerical and mathematical occurrences of the number 19. Pretty convincing that the source of the Quran was some kind of a superhuman or channeled or divine inspired source. For this circle of 19 points, the woman who developed this map, Dorothy Leon, she was into numerology. So she held that the 19 meaning was that 1 plus 9 equals 10, which is 1. This is all 1. There's no separation between these points. So this geometry is one a geometric pattern of vortex points, which I've found and I've compiled many scores of geometric maps at my website, vortexmaps.com. And listeners can also visit me at danshaw.com. You're clearly not the only person on the planet who's interested in this information. Well, there's definitely a certain inertia with the status quo in every part of the scientific community. The true definition of science is to be looking for the anomalies to help us renew our models, to make our models more comprehensive. But what tends to happen in the scientific community is that if something doesn't meet our models, then we tend to make a pariah out of the person who brought that information. There's Michael Cremo, for example, who's written so extensively, I mean, nearly exhaustively about these ancient artifacts that are out of place that seem too advanced, etc., and how the archaeologists who bring forward these revisions of the timeline, let's say, for ancient advanced civilizations, they don't get tenure, they get forced out. There's an element of fear in it because when we come to these pivotal moments in our lives, we could call it a spiritual emergency. That's the word Stanislaus Grof termed a spiritual emergency. I'm fascinated to talk to people about these moments in their lives when effectively everything changes. That moment when I saw that UFO flashing its lights at me, my life was transformed. At that point, I had to go forward in some way. I wasn't quite sure what all that meant, but we have to take this paranormal or visionary or psychotropic experience and integrate them in our everyday lives. But the fear is that we're going to go crazy, that we're going to be called crazy, that we're going to be outcast, we're going to be made pariah. There is fantastic potential, I believe, in researching vortexes for healing. My co-author Nick Nelson, he believes that there's potential for magnetic motors. We want to focus on the wave that's growing. 
we know that as the old wave crashes, that new wave is building. In terms of vortexes, it does seem that some places are more active than others at certain times. There's cycles of activity. These things aren't always accessible. You can't necessarily go back to a spot where you had a vortex experience one time and have the same experience another time. We need to set up the experimentation to look at what we want to see over long periods of time to identify where the cycles are. There's daily moon cycles. We have four quarters of the moon cycle each day. And of course, there's the monthly moon cycles. We've got short and long sun cycles, and then there's solar storms as well. So all these cycles likely contribute. There's at least a couple dozen different contributors to the electromagnetic field, which is why it's such a rich place to begin to look at the potential mechanisms of vortexes. Electromagnetism doesn't begin to fully explain the phenomena, but I think it's a logical place to begin looking at the vortex phenomena how our human bodies are influenced by the electromagnetic field of the planet. How is our technology potentially ignorantly interacting with this other energy? And could that be making us sick by compounding certain elements that are naturally occurring that we're overdosing on? We are in fact deeply separated from the electromagnetic field of the earth. We're in a building, we're not standing on the earth. We're wearing shoes with electrically insulative soles so much of the time. Because there is a difference in electrical potential as you increase in elevation, there's actually an electrical potential difference between the ground and the level of your head if you're wearing shoes. If you're not wearing shoes, then you essentially become part of the earth, like a bump in the earth in terms of electromagnetic field. And your cells do behave differently when you're electrically grounded to the earth. So just for example, in ancient days, when there was far less man-made electromagnetic pollution in the environment, I think we would have been much more in tune with our intuition, our psychic abilities. And I think going to these highly energetic places at times when they are activated is a kind of a way to reset our psyche. You're obviously here to help spearhead some of this education, leading people to it and letting them feel the experience for themselves, especially children maybe, because they're the ones who are formulating ideas. Sometimes it's too late to try and turn the adult. To bring children to a place like that and get their curiosity up, that's a grassroots effort to get little kids interested and bring others to it. Thanks for having me first in your space. I uh, brought you a little housewarming gift, the Earth Star Globe. I've published two vortex maps. One called the Earth Star Globe shows the purported Earth grid, the grid of energy lines, the geometric grid of energy lines around the Earth. And then this one here with the Grand Tetons at the center, I call the Earth Star North America. So I did publish those two maps. I didn't invent them. The Earth Star Globe has been around for quite some while. It's been featured in a number of books, and you sometimes see it on TV. Fold it on the embossed bits and assemble it with some tape, and you'll be able to hold in your hands a model of the energy grid of the Earth, and you'll be able to see the geometric relationship between the Great Pyramid. The whole thing is keyed into the Nile Delta as point number one. Geometric relationship between the Great Pyramid, and Bermuda Triangle, Easter Island, and many ancient monuments around the world. 
And then when you look closely, you'll see that many of the coastlines seems to match that geometry. And then certainly the deep sea trenches are shown in red. The geometry of the deep sea trenches tends to match the geometry of the Earth grid very sweetly. The Earth star globe shows a planetary pattern. It's a combination of the icosahedron and the dodecahedron. These two of the simplest of the geometric shapes, two of the five platonic solids, so-called. So combination of the icosahedron, dodecahedron, that gives you 62 points, kind of a major grid. And then that breaks down into many, many more minor points. But that's just one model of the energy grid of the planet. So you could travel everywhere. You don't have to travel far. Wherever you are, there are places nearby you where that energy is clear, relatively unpolluted by human activity, hopefully, and where people can go to do ceremony, to connect with the earth in whatever way they do. In Ashland, we've got a pretty wonderful arrangement here because this Highway 99, where we are now, I believe that this was at one time an ancient footpath along this side of the valley. And over time, animal trails become footpaths, become paved roadways. And I think Tolman Creek Road was another energy line that eventually got paved. So there's some interesting energy lines here in Ashland. I'm sure we could go on for days because I have lots of other questions and you'll just maybe have to come back. I'd love to come back and I just invite any listeners to continue the conversation with me. I answer all emails through my websites, which are vortexmaps.com and danshaw.com and really appreciate the invitation and the chance to share. So if I may close, I like to say that there's an infinite amount of energy available everywhere all the time for our physical healing, for our psychic opening, and for harmonizing the planet. So I just invite you to continue the conversation with me. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Citizen 44. I'm good, Mom Ahrensberg. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm just a little bit cold. What's a little bit cold? Is it cold there in Los Angeles, California? It's cold in the house. I don't know why. I thought it was set at 74, but maybe not. 74? That's warm. That's not cold. I know, but I'm cold. Is it cold outside or just cold in the house? Daddy just went for a walk out there. I said, take a jacket. Look who's here. It's Gary Lundgren, filmmaker and roommate. Oh, nice. You say Seinfeld? Yeah, Seinfeld. No, Gary Lundgren, not Seinfeld. Gary is my friend that I share office space with here. Well, hi, Gary. This is Mutter. He said, hi, Mom. Gary's in here making his movie called Phoenix, Oregon. Oh, cute. A town quite near you, right? Yeah, two towns to the north is Phoenix, Oregon. Doesn't that sound strange to you to hear the name Phoenix, Oregon? Yeah, I mean, immediately think of Arizona. Right. But then that's true of Salem. Oh, right. And there's Salem, Massachusetts. That's where they used to burn witches at the stake. Right, or put them in the water. If they drown, then they're not witches. Yeah. So what's going on over there? They're not doing anything on the house today. So we got out for a little bit. But walking's a bitch or whatever. You mean because of your body that doesn't want to do it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I spoke to Sandy, you know, the Ralph Sandy. Yes. And today her mother is 98 years old. Holy cow, 98. Unbelievable. 
But then, Edie is 96, and I play cards with her sometimes, and she's still drives. And her husband's 101. Wow, is he driving too? No. Okay. No, he hasn't driven for a long time. Yeah. How many years have you been married now? 60? Not yet. 59. Literally 59 years you've been married? Yes. On New Year's Eve, Gary here, he's going to be married 25 years. Wow, he's going to have a silver wedding anniversary. Wow. Mazel tov. Yeah, mazel tov, Gary. Yeah, wow. Wait for the next 25. What? Huh? What? Do you remember mine? Your 25th wedding anniversary? No, my 50th. Of course, we had a big party. I think I embarrassed myself and other people there. Do you remember my 25th? Remember something. So where's Dad right now? He's out walking around the block because he said he didn't walk enough today. Is he with the dog or on his own? He's on his own like a big boy. Oh, look at Dad. Last night was the HOA meeting. And guess who went? Phyllis Diller. What? Oh, you know what someone sent me in the mail today? What? It was very strange. Val checked the mail, and there was a package in there, a white plastic package that was addressed to me. It came from back east, and I waited till I got to the office to open it up, and I opened it up. It was filled with glitter, and then I pulled out what was inside. You know what gummy bears are, right? Of course. They were shaped like little dicks and balls. Like little what? You know, dicks and balls. It was a bag of dicks. Gummy dicks. D-I-C-K-S? Yeah, you know the things that hang off of the front of men, typically? Yeah. yeah. Okay, got you. Yeah, so I got... Who sent it to you? I didn't... Uh, it, it, anonymous. I don't know. It just said, eat a bag of dicks. And so I ate the bag of dicks. You ate a whole bag? I ate a whole bag of dicks. Yep, I did. I didn't even save any for Gary or anybody. They were having a meeting in here, and while they were having a meeting, I ate the entire bag of dicks. Oh, whatever Rachel brought that day, jeez. You ate marijuana. Then I couldn't find it after I put it away and hid it. Yeah, that's what happens when you hide things while you're high, Mom. Was it a gummy bear that you ate the last time when you got too high and it kind of messed you up? Yeah, I think so. So Daddy was taking a piece, and I took a piece, and they said, you're laughing. I said, I don't want to. Dad ate some, too? Yeah, he had a piece. What happened to him? I was too into myself. He never mentioned anything about after he ate it that he felt differently? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I was too into myself. And then I went to bed at 7.30. I just couldn't deal with it. Have you ever watched Jeopardy High? No. High isn't my thing, really. Uh, uh, I don't think it is. All right. Do you have anything? So what are you kids doing this evening? Nothing. We're just hanging out. Okay. We're going to get high. You're going to get high? Oh, that's beautiful. The apple does not fall far from the pot bush. just thought I would share with you that I ate a bag of dicks today and thought you might be impressed with that. And, uh, and I just wanted to see how you guys were feeling. Thank you. That is so sweet. I thought you were straight. What? I said I ate a bag of dicks. I didn't... Okay. I don't really care. You could be anything you want. Just be healthy. 
Thank you. I appreciate your flexibility yeah. in my sexual orientation. That's very nice of you. Right. Okay. Be happy, be healthy, be wise. One thing leads to another. Late to run for cover. She's just too good, whatever. I love you all. Hugs and kisses. Love you too, Mom. Say goodbye to Gary. Bye, Gary. Bye, Phil. <laughs> Well, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was super fun having Dan here. He's got a lot of really compelling and interesting information. And he ain't fooling around, folks. This guy has done his research. He is a scientist. And I feel that he's uncovering some information that perhaps we're simply not ready to receive yet. If you want to find out more about Dan, you can find him at danshaw.com. That's D-A-N-S-H-A-W.com or Vortex Maps, that's V-O-R-T-E-X-M-A-P-S dot com. He is very available and welcoming any kind of questions that you may have for him. So please take advantage of this opportunity if you are so inclined to find out more about Dan and Vortexes. Saturday the 15th at the Rogue Theater in Grants Pass, Zepdrix. Z-E-P-D-R-I-X. The hybrid band that does Zeppelin and Hendrix music, led by Inger Jorgensen and her husband, world-class guitarist Jeff Pivar, amongst other incredible musicians. So if you want to see a great show in a really cool venue, get out to Grants Pass this Saturday night. Thanks so much for listening. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. I really do appreciate you listening to the show, and I'm going to keep making them for you and for me because it's fun. I like doing it. All the shows can be found on Ahrensberg.com. That's A-R-I-N-S-B-E-R-G.com, on CastBox, on Stitcher, and on iTunes. Again, thanks so much for listening, and... uh, it's a little chilly out there. Chilly, 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 chilly. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Kentucky Fried Chicken doesn't have a new spicy sandwich, but rather a fire log that smells like it's fried chicken. The limited edition 11 herbs and spices fire log costs $18.99. According to the item description, the one-of-a-kind logs made of 100% recycled materials can burn up to three hours. This may result in a craving for fried chicken and attract bears or neighbors who are hungry. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44. I want to say a special thank you to my mother, Margaret, Maggie, Mickey, Ruth, Waxman, Ahrensburg. Super fun always to have my parents and my children on the show, and I think it just brings us closer together. And as we advance in years, my parents and I, It's good to have this vehicle for us to travel through the rest of our lives together in. 
You just never know. I dedicate this show to their son and my brother, Aaron Craig Ahrensberg.